I can spell it, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Right. Shout out shout out to Mrs. G for go. making me learn a wo- this Spoiler word. Archetype. 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 So I was right. <laughs> of everyone. Of everyone, I was right. I don't know and what, I don't even know what it means. What it means. <laughs> but you're the you're so the amazing. you're the English major. Like you should <sighs> For like three semesters, it didn't last. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is the Bless Up Podcast. We got Rachel, Corey, and James as usual, but we have a guest in studio with us this week. I am uh, I'm sharing my mic over here on this side of the table with Jada Gilliam. Welcome. What's up, everybody? Big goat. Big goat. (laughs) So Jada is joining us for um, a a very funny, at least at the start, conversation here, uh, where I want to know, as we kick things off, what is a time in your life where you just drastically misunderstood the assignment? So life situation, school situation, whatever it might be, what is a time in your life where you just drastically misread or misunderstood what it was that you were supposed to be doing? I think so. In honor of our guests being here, it's, it's tip, it's protocol policy as a matter of fact that we let the guests go first. Mm, So, so Jada, what, what is a time (laughs) where you specifically, uh, have misunderstood the assignment? Listen, I I don't have an issue of pride, and so I'm going to share this story, uh, knowing that I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily excited to share it. But uh, I attended Penn State University, uh, graduated in 2021. We are. Um, nope, not but, here. Yeah, no, we are not. Oh, I, I, I had did not to. even. I did not even catch <laughs> yeah, that. We are not. We're OH. We're yeah. OH. Oh Lord. I O. Anyways. Yeah. Um, My freshman year, there were quite a few gen eds that were required of us to take. Um, And so I signed up for a course thinking that it would fulfill one of the general education courses on my course load. And it was called Astro 100. So I was like, yeah, get me in there. I'm ready. This should be easy. Uh, Walked in thinking that it was astrology. Hmm. What's astrology? Astrology is, you know, the sign that you have, like whether you be a Virgo with a rising moon, all of the all of the words that I don't, don't know mean what you much. Just said. <laughs> I'm a Virgo. That's what I know, and I thought I was going to learn more about that. Mm. Uh, but it was actually an astronomy course, uh, which is about space, and mm. I hate space. Mm. It's actually one of my least favorite things, and so I walked in ready for astrology. Walked out very <laughs> embarrassed about astronomy. Did you keep the class? Oh, I dropped it. Oh, you dropped the class. Dropped it immediately. I, 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 I'm just curious what you mean by space is one of your least yeah. I just hate space. <laughs> like just in general, the like, idea of space is deeply unsettling for me. <laughs> just keeping it real. Oh, Jada, you gotta take yeah more weird OF stuff. You gotta you gotta just take my telescope, go out to some campsite, <laughs> and watch a meteor shower. It's fire. Oh, that it's, would be really cool. It's fire. It's you own fire, a telescope. Right? Yeah. You want me a... to go to a campsite? <laughs> well, I go to Camp Carl, but you can go to any campsite you 
Yeah. But I have I'll, this meteor active app, and it lets me know, like, when. Oh my gosh, you literally just opened this. Like, when meteor showers are coming to this area. No. And I, it's, it's magical. Mm. It's I'm it's okay. wonderful. I'm sorry. I'm honestly still stuck back on the fact that like Jada wanted to learn more about her sign. Like, <laughs> so like I, I'm not really over. I'm not really over that part. Like that was the original. Virgo. That was like, the original. Know yourself to lead yourself. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, this is gonna make me so self aware. What? I don't Jada, believe Jada in it still, anymore. Jada still reads time. her horoscope. <laughs> she's like, hey. I believe in this today. Good that. news. Today's a good day because I'm a Virgo. Like <laughs> what, bro? That Virgo Beyonce's energy. A Virgo. That big Virgo Listen. energy. Big Virgo energy. All right. So what do you guys got? I mean, there's, I kind of live my life this way. So it's <laughs> just living kind of, you just, you take things as they come. So you're never, I'm never prepared as I should be. Um, let's see. Oh, this was, one time I really misunderstood the assignment and shame on AVI at Malone University for doing this to me. Well, oh, we getting specific. I am so curious. Shame on them. I was a freshman at Malone and it was the fall. So I'm, I came in. Yeah, this is what you were I came say. in and I seen five huge pies. And I said to myself, Oh, oh we got some sweet potato pie. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I knew this was So it. I pick up me and the homie Lawrence, wherever you at, big shout out, Sergeant Ranger Lawrence Chaplin, <laughs> my dog, wherever you at. Because I know you was with me with Whatever this. order those go in. All of Reverend Chaplin, Bishop, Sergeant <laughs> Ranger, Larry McElrath, my guy. So we walk in and we get two, three big pieces of pie because we thought it was popping. And Steve, the guy who worked at AVI, is an apostolic black dude. So I figured this mm. is sweet potato pie. <laughs> yeah, surely it's what you were looking for. Man, I took a piece of that pie. <laughs> I should have known something was wrong when there was just like all that whipped cream on top. Mm-hmm. I was like, people don't uh-uh. put whipped cream. I should have known something was wrong. Man, oh, I took I a bite of that pie and I spit it back out on the plate. I was so disdainfully disappointed. What was I it? Misunderstood. It was pumpkin pie. Aww. I misunderstood the assignment. Disrespectful. It was pumpkin. It was pumpkin pie. It was not sweet potato pie. Uh, that's when I should have known. Along with I should have known it wasn't safe. I, like, <laughs> that that should, was day one for me. I took that bite. I should have been like, "Whoop!" There we are. So yes, pumpkin pie. I misunderstood that assignment big time. Man, yeah, that one's tough. Mine was also a school one. Um, Not near as entertaining of a story as either of those. Uh, I just straight up very literally misunderstood an assignment. I handed in this paper. I was in grad school. I've been working on it forever because it's grad school, so the papers are not short. And um, I handed this paper in, and I'm, like, feeling good. Like, yes, it's done. The weight has been lifted. And then when the professor handed the papers back... She stopped me and was like, uh, I gave you a B. And this was my first B. So, like, that already, I was like, oh, man. But she's like, I should have failed you, which, of course, like, makes you sink a little bit. And I was like, why? And she, <laughs> she was like, it felt like that moment in Billy Madison when they're playing trivia and the guy at the very end, like, Billy gives this, like, big, long rant. And then the guy's like, we are all dumber having listened to that. <laughs> it's like, this was so far off. I have no idea what you said in this incoherent rant. Like, that's what it felt like. She was like, what you submitted so far off 
from what this assignment was. And so then, of course, I've, I like I feel dumb. My eyes are big. I'm like, but why? And so she like explains and everything. She's like, but I gave you a B um, because this was so well done that I could not fail this paper. So she, you know, gave a nice compliment. Like she's like, this was so good, but this is nowhere near even being remotely what I assigned. Mm. But I simply could not fail this paper. And so I was like, thank you. I really appreciate that, Grace. But like, I felt, I was like, do you need me to resubmit the assignment? She's like, no, no, uh, no, no. Um, but I do need you to really pay attention for the final because <laughs> I'm not going to mm. do that again. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think I can only think of incredibly like, like, and publicly embarrassing moments for me when it comes to this question. Uh, the one that I, I share, I share, I share your affinity, Jada. Like I also am very hesitant to tell this story, especially cause the last couple podcasts I've told embarrassing stories from growing up. So shout out to my, uh, few friends from home who listen to this podcast, you're going to remember and appreciate this one. Um, so when I was in high school, specifically my sophomore year, you know, sophomore year is difficult because like, you're no longer a freshman. So you're no longer like the butt of absolutely everything, but you're you're also not a junior or senior Mm -hmm. either. Like you're not cool. You're not an upperclassman. Also you're 15, 16. So like, you're still super awkward. You don't know how to, yeah. Like it's just like, it's, it's just a really weird year. And so sophomore year, you really wear this like chip on your shoulder of like dang like like i'm really trying to like make you know make headway here like i'm trying to like make my mark and stuff and i remember it was early in the school year like i'm thinking it was probably like september october maybe i don't remember um i just remember it was early in the school year and uh i was in study hall and a bunch of the upperclassmen who were on the basketball team were talking about open gym tonight and I was like, oh, like there's open gym tonight. Like guys on the basketball team, the varsity team are talking about open gym. Like, I wonder why I didn't receive this communication about like open gym tonight. And so oh, they were no. they were like, oh, yeah, are you are you at open gym tonight? Oh, yeah, bro. You know, I'm there. What, like whatever. And so like I'm trying to put myself in this conversation. And I was like, oh, are you guys talking about open gym tonight? And they like kind of look at me. They're like, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm. Like, I'm coming too. What time are you guys getting there? They're like, uh, probably like six. I was like, yeah, bet. Like, I'll be there. They're like, okay. And like, I don't know if, like, I just assumed that they didn't, you know, they didn't like respect my athleticism or something. I didn't know why they were giving me like a really oh, weird no. look. I so, know, I can feel it. It's <laughs> building. <laughs> so I grabbed my Nike shocks. The shocks. Oh, shocks. <laughs> No. I grabbed in the color of the school that you go to. That's right. That's right. Red and white. Yeah. Red and white. Uh, and uh, I grabbed my Nike shocks. I got my my athletic shorts. Uh, my my uh, basketball uh, sweat free tee. Uh, and my my headband. And I oh, pulled up at six o'clock. Well, we, this was like we were still growing our hair out at the time. So yeah, oh you needed God. the headband. Mm-hmm. So I pulled up at six o'clock to the gym. And I walk in and I walk into a room of about uh, 40 teenage girls in spandex and volleyball nets. <laughs> As members of the varsity basketball team, they got asked to help set up the nets <laughs> in the gym. And so I walk in ready to, ready to hoop and it's a volleyball open gym. And one of the dudes was right at the door and I walk in and they're like, 
what are you doing? And I was like, uh, I'm here for open gym. He's like, you look like you're ready to hoop. And I was like, Nah, no, nah. No, no. I just thought no. you guys like needed more help. <laughs> um, but it looks like you got it covered, so I'm just gonna take off. They're like, You you good on a ride? And I was fifteen, so I wasn't. My mom had dropped me off. So I was like, Yeah, no, I'm good. And I walked back home from the school that day because I was too embarrassed to tell anybody <laughs> that I had misunderstood what the conversation was. Okay, so these um <laughs> These are fantastic misunderstandings. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, I mean, this like this is a topic I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, it's just the way that we sometimes misunderstand or misprioritize or we are like, we're, our alignment is just off in our lives. Um, our, like, our focus is well-intended, but it's misplaced. And so that's kind of the conversation that I wanted to have today is just like how do we um, how do we identify when our alignment is off, when our priorities are off, um, and how do we sort of start to assess maybe where that's cultural, maybe where that's learned, um, or maybe it's just something that like in ourselves uh, we're placing an emphasis on the wrong thing. Because I know that's something I've done so much of my adult life I feel like every so often I just have to look at myself and be like where did I get that value like why am I aligned this way and I mean when you have kids it's something that becomes glaringly obvious because your kids just straight up look at you and they're like what are you doing I want to do this I want to do that and you're like you know what I I should have the margin in my life to do this or to do that Um, but sometimes when you're in leadership you either feel these made up pressures like you think you're going to let somebody down, but actually like you're putting that on yourself or they are, you know, because of your job or whatever, a very real pressure that you're being given. So like, I don't know, what do you guys, what are you guys thinking on misalignment, misprioritizing all of that? Yeah. I think for me, it comes in with how we understand like Jesus's desire for us to live. I think so many times, like when I first got saved, especially it was a situation or I would read the Bible, or I would sit in church, or I'd be in small groups, and people would kind of, it was a deal where, like, you're a good Christian if you give all of yourself to Christianity. And for me at that time, like, what Christianity meant was, me giving all of myself to it was, well, I need to show up at all of these events, I need to do all of these things, and I need to, like, achieve, and what I would now know is ministry as, like, this is what it means to like give myself fully to that. But I think that was a bit of an individualistic lens and individualistic mission because no man's an island, as Thomas Merton would say. So like who I am is intrinsically connected to the people around me. Like I'm inextricably tied to people around me. And now like being married and like having a kid, it's a deal where like me giving myself to Christ fully has to be me giving myself to my family fully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, how how can I fully give myself to the mission of Jesus if, like, I do ministry all the time and my daughter never knows who Jesus is? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think um, I've been processing a lot recently in which order our mission plays itself out. Um, 
And one of the tools that has really aided in that is the spheres of influence um, through Giant. And it starts on such an individual level. And the most direct level outside of that is your family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think assigning mission to the community, assigning mission to those outside of your immediate household um, is not a bad thing, but it's something that comes out of order if we are not first serving in our homes. Um, And it's a disservice both to our families um, and to the places in which we're leading if we are not leading well within our household. Um, And that's something that I believe is close to the heart of Jesus. Um, And having been growing up in ministry um, and being around a lot of church leaders, something that I have always held to is that I don't need to watch you lead from the pulpit. I don't need to watch you lead at a community event to know what kind of leader you are if I have met your family. Mm. If I know your wife, your husband, your kids, the people that are within your household, then I really don't need to know what you're doing on whatever platform. I don't need to follow you on social media um, because that speaks most Mm. directly to what Jesus is doing in and through you. Man. So if I could, if I could summarize and emphasize what, what you guys are saying so far is that like, um, mission or the answer to the question, what should I do? Right. Like I've, I've received new enlightenment, whether that be my faith or a new level of maturity or this new like aspect of humanity that I never discovered before, like in light of enlightenment, like what do I do? Um, and the very start to being able to answer the question, what do I do now has to begin with a priority, a biblical, a biblically based priority of like, yeah, like where we start with mission, right? Mm-hmm. So it starts with our personal relationship with God, which is what you were saying with the spheres of influence. It's like individual. It's like mm-hmm. me and God. It starts there. But then like as it like ripples out, the next immediate area is is your family. I'm reminded, Jada, as you were as you were talking, uh Second Corinthians chapter three, Paul's like Paul's like, What? I need a I need a letter of recommendation. He's like, he's like, are we like other people who need, who need to bring letters of recommendation? Uh, no, he says in verse two, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves, the people he's writing to. He says, your lives are a letter written on our hearts. He's like, everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. In other words, like people should be able to tell that like we're legit and we are who we say we are and we're about the things that we say we're about by looking uh, at you. And so for us as people, as people of faith, like people should be able to tell who we are, what we're about by first looking at our kids. Mm -hmm. Now let's keep it real. That's scary as a parent. (laughs) I'm thinking of my kids and I'm like, Y'all going to look at him like all the time or can we look at him at like certain times of day? Because certain times of day, I'm proud of the imprint I've made. And then there's other times where I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, no, that's, that, that's they mom. That, that's, that's, hey, that's, not, hey. <laughs> that's a mommy word that they're using. It's not my side. <laughs> that's not me. They didn't get that from me. Um, but yeah, that's scary, right? There's reasons that the qualifications of an elder is to like, is primarily your household has to be uh, in order. And I think that where, you know, we see that play itself out is 
I'll just like talk about me. Like I, I feel like I run the tension constantly in this regard of, you know, how much do, how much I'm away from what my kids are involved in. And then even when I'm present at what my kids are involved in, what is my focus while I'm there? Right. And how much like, uh, I can double dip by like taking my kids with me into other spaces and justifying that as like time with my kids, but not actually like my focus being on my kids where from a biblical perspective, like my first and foremost, like the, where I must start with any answer of what do I do question has got to be my own family, my wife and my children. Hmm. You know, what you guys are talking about, um, you know, families and, and things like that. Like the, the scene in the, in the scripture and stuff that's popping into my head is um, when the disciples are trying to shoo the kids away and Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. And I, I think sometimes we've gotten things so upside down in the way we run our churches, the way we run our ministries, the way we run our families, like all of that stuff, because Jesus said, let the children come to me, not let the children be your strategy. Like he didn't look at them and say, look at these kids as an opportunity to get to their parents to fill more seats on your Sunday morning. As an opportunity to get to their checkbooks. and no, right. right. Like that's, that's not what he said. He said, let them yes. come to me. Don't hinder the children from coming to me. And that goes in the way that we lead our households and we lead our lives. It goes in like where, like Mandy said this a few, like in season one, she said like, how much effort are you putting into your kids program? Because that's going to tell me how much you actually value your kids. And I mean, like sometimes we look at it so opposite, like we do these big attractional events to bring more kids in because if the kids like it, they'll bring their families and that ups your church attendance and that ups your tithe dollars and that ups this and this and this and this and this. And it's like, kids are not a strategy. Jesus said, don't be a hindrance to them and let them come to me. Let them come to me, not be your strategy. Yeah. And I think like at its root, it's like a theological and philosophical like misalignment. So what you get like in the Old Testament is you get God creates, humans fall, and then you find like you find the philosophy of Genesis and all these stories like come to a head in Exodus where you get like Moses versus Pharaoh or really like God versus empire because Pharaoh is just one face of an emperor who has an empire and that's the whole Old Testament. Like, God v. emperors and empires. And what you get with the Exodus is, like, the people of God are in slavery, right? We're recording this, like, two days before Juneteenth, right? So, like, the people of Israel are in slavery. They are being held captive, like, by an emperor. What does God say? God says, let my people go. But I think what we, like, forget often in the Moses story is that, like, Exodus 20 through 40 is just as important as Exodus one through 20. So the story of the liberation is important, but what happens after the liberation is what meant is what's meant to keep them liberated, which is the law. Mm -hmm. The law is like God's vision for free people. 
So the law is not meant to like limit you, but it's meant to liberate you. The law is meant to free you. And I think we forget that like a basic fundamental truth of God's law is like to keep the Sabbath. And what really is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is like the protection of Israel's family structure. Like you're supposed to stop. You're supposed to spend time with your family. You're supposed to like remember the Lord together, teach your children about his ways and his precepts. And you're supposed to live a life that's rooted out of this idea of, hey, like God stopped. So you stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's happened philosophically to like ministry? It's been conflated with like the American way. And what's the American way? The American way is the way of empire, which is to sacrifice people for products okay. and production. Mm-hmm. So when you sacrifice people for products mm-hmm. and production and you conflate that with the gospel, then everything becomes a pyramid scheme. <clears throat> yeah. Everything becomes like, how can I get to the next thing? How can we get more disciples? How can we get more people? How can we get more money? How can we get more mission? How can we get more, more, more? When maybe more is not actually the objective of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Maybe following the law. Which yeah. Jesus says, not a daughter iota. Is going to pass from mm-hmm. and maybe stopping and valuing what's right in front of you. The core of the Sabbath, like the principles for free people, like liberated people. Yeah, the law. So how would you guys say in your own lives or in the lives of like leaders that you respect, um, people you're willing to follow, uh, whatever that might be, how would you say that you have seen a realignment done well. Because when we're, when we're misaligned, relationships get destroyed. Mm. Um, but I can't think of a person under the sun who hasn't needed to realign at some point. Not a single one of us is flawless. There, I mean, person after person after person in Scripture has to get realigned, right? Like Moses didn't even get to enter the promised land because his alignment was off and he yelled at the people of Israel and he performed a miracle when he shouldn't have and he never got to get into the promised land, right? Like we've talked about David on here before, Saul to Paul. Like everybody needs realigned because we're all human. It's not embarrassing or failure to need to realign and reprioritize your life. It is human, to need to do it. So how have you seen it done well? And what are, what are some pointers that you could give us to help us realign? Well, I think that realignment, um, kind of, as we were saying at the beginning first starts with yourself. Um, and so in having those boundaries, it's having to have boundaries around the time that you are spending in solitude with the Lord. Um, and that's something that this year has been huge for me because I am an extrovert and I'm somebody who finds value um, in being around people and in being in community. And so having to strip that back and recognize that before I can be on mission outside of myself, I have to be very intentional about the boundaries I set around the time that I am giving to the Lord, the surrender that I am willing to give in the time that I'm spending at my job, in the time that I'm spending in the community, like having a heart to serve, um, a heart to lead, a heart to be around community is not a bad thing. Um, but those boundaries have to be strict on that 
insular mm-hmm. level on like the individual level you have to be very intentional about the time that you're spending um and that's i feel like the first place to start and when i know people are doing that well then everything else gains so much merit to me because i know that what you're doing day in and day out to guard that time that you have alone is having dividends like that's where you get true multiplication it doesn't come from like all of the outside things like it comes from that insular level yeah just one of yeah best staff retreat i've ever been to in my life i was on last weekend (laughs) with my pals shout out shout out 21st century church shout out third street church shout out citizens akron just a just a great fun time tribe on the move tribe on the move what up (laughs) Tribe Ohio, Tribe Texas, Tribe Worldwide. Why? Why? Oh my gosh! Nah, but uh, shout out to the homie Rob, uh, uh, a huddle leader at uh, Third Street. Mm-hmm. There, he led these uh, these terrible camp games. <laughs> shout out to him though; they were very instructive. Like they were good, and instructive. I mean, what I'm about to tell you is dope. So shout out; they were still terrible camp games. But. So he started every session with these terrible camp games. And one of the sessions, like, he had us all get partners. And I guess there's about 30 of us there. So he had us all get partners. And he had these goggles that he, like, darkened the lens. So he put tape over the lens, like black tape, so you couldn't see. And the goal was, like, he set up this little obstacle course. And at the same time, every group of partners, so there's probably 10 to 15 groups, right? You had to go get this rubber duck on the other side of the obstacle course, but everyone was going at the same time. So you had to try to listen to your partner. Mm-hmm. It oh, was wow. so difficult to like hear my partner and like well, the way you we had the goggles on. I had the goggles on. And then like my partner was Ray and I don't really know Ray. So I, shout out to Ray. I love you, homie, but your voice, it sounds like a white woman voice. So like, I don't, well, I have no, it is, it is a white woman. I know, but She's there was a lot of white woman voices talking. <laughs> there was like 10 white woman voices talking and I couldn't decipher her voice. Nah, bro, that was me, bro. That was me. <laughs> That's I could, offensive. I couldn't decipher her voice from like the other voices. Uh-huh. And like, I think, Rob said, I'm going to let you guys kind of take have your own takeaways from that. And the reality was, it's exactly what Jade is saying. Like, unless we, like, commit ourselves to, like, hearing the voice of God in solitude, then how are we supposed to discern God's voice from all of the other cultural voices that are, like, happening around us? Yeah. Like, it's so difficult. Like, Ray was giving me great instructions. And, like, if I could have, like, singled out her voice, I would have been able to, like, very easily get to that duck. But it wasn't until, like, a couple other people were done and I'm like, oh, this is what she's actually trying to say to me. And it wasn't until, like, I really recognized her voice that I was able to, like, get the duck and, like, complete the goal. But the reality is, like, God's always speaking to us. Like, he's always trying to instruct us. He's always speaking. But how often? Are we not able to hear his voice? Yeah. I think for I think for me when I look at um, getting back in alignment, my mind my mind instantly goes to like vision and strategy. It's where it's it's where I live. Of it's it's where I <laughs> surprise, live, right? Surprise. And when I look at when I look at the entirety of scripture, when I look at the meta narrative, 
God's strategy for the spread of his glory was always intended to be family. Um, before the church of the New Testament, there existed the family, the lineage of the Old Testament. Yeah. His intent of passing on his glory was meant to be from Adam and Eve to their children, to their children, to their children, through a bloodline, through lineage, right? And we all know what happened there, and it got broken down and all that kind of stuff, and that's why the church is necessary, right? Because our families are now broken, and, and you know those, those branches have, have come off the tree and things like that. But God's strategy... God's strategy is family. And so for me, like I have to start with family and it has, it has like challenged, it has challenged the way that I like start to look at things. Like, am I, am I teaching things that I haven't taught to my, like, am I teaching things to like a whole room of strangers that I haven't taught to my kids yet? And if I am, what good is what I'm saying to these strangers if my children are not exhibiting the same, like the same truths and the same principles that like I'm, I'm trying to pass on to them. Right. When, uh, when Paul says that like you are our letters of recommendation, like that is true of, um, of our families is that like when you extrapolate that out, what gives you credibility in this space in other spaces in broader communal spaces is the way that you lead in the spaces that are closest to you in family, right? What gives you credit credibility. If you're in the corporate world, what gives you credibility within your organization is how well you lead your specific team, right? You're never going to move up from manager to VP to executive. If you know, the people who work for you are like, nah, he's a butthole. You know what I mean? Like, like what gives you credibility in the next layer? I'm thinking specifically of the spheres of influence. What gives you credibility in the next layer is leading well the layers that are closest to you, right? And so for me, in terms like in terms of alignment, I totally understand where it comes from because the pressures mm-hmm. of building that outer sphere, aka the sphere that everyone sees in the right. public eye, is so real. Mm-hmm. Like building the sphere that gets you the followers, building the spheres that get you the views and the and the you know the money and the speaking stuff and like 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 building that outermost layer that everyone sees that pressure is so real because that's what people assume means is like, it's successful. Mm-hmm. But if you want to keep those layers as uh, successful, if you want to use that term as they can be, as God would have them be, then that outermost layer has to be built on a positive influence on the innermost layers. Does that make sense? No, nah, that smells a whole ton like Jesus, bro. Mm-hmm. I mean, like our idea of like influencer is like social media influencer. Mm-hmm. So unless I got like 50,000 followers, then I'm not like anything on social media. Yep. But if you look at Jesus, Jesus, like by any measure of like 21st century church success, Jesus would have been like labeled a failure. Mm-hmm. Well, Yeah. Like, after three years, 12 dudes and probably about five women were, like, following Jesus around all the time. So, like, less than 20 folks are following Jesus around all the time. But what Jesus deposited in those 20 folks changed the, like, 
they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they literally change the world because of Jesus's intentionality. Yeah. Um, I just keep thinking of Paul's instruction of imitate me as I imitate Christ mm-hmm. and being living a life that is worth imitation does not find itself on the outer layers. Like that's not, I can't imitate that. I can't copy the way in which people are coming to you coming to like Corey or Rachel in the community because they're, they're doing something different than me. Like our, our ministry looks different. Even if we're under the same structure, the life of imitation is, is on the lower spheres. It's in the family. So like, even if, cause I'm thinking, obviously I don't have kids, but as I'm discipling people and as I'm being discipled, I'm looking for those models of imitation. Um, and I'm trying to imitate Christ well. So as people are being discipled by me, that's what that has to be my main focus because mm-hmm. I can't copy the means by which other people receive influence. Like I have to on my own have received influence because of how I'm imitating Christ. And if I'm doing that well, then it starts to bleed into those other spheres. I don't even know if this is about to make sense, but the thought that just like popped in my head is that the strategy like God's strategy as to where he placed Jesus in the story was as his son, as a part of a lineage, not as the cool, popular kid in class. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, like God cared more about where Jesus got placed in proximity to a lineage and to a family than he did in proximity to like popularity. That's good. And yesterday when we were all in our, um, in our summer study, um, shout out to the love and unity project. Uh, third street's doing a summer study on real talk about race and it's, it's, it's fire. Y'all should go check them out. Um, but yesterday when we were in our summer study, Gino actually brought up the point of like, you know, this work can feel overwhelming. Um, the work of reconciliation and the work of like, you know, of ministry in the broader community can feel overwhelming. But if we just look at it in terms of like, I do my part and then that gets passed on to the next person. Like he's, he talks about Jesus in the light of the ministry of first fruits. Like Jesus did his ministry and passed it on to the 12, the 12 passed it on to disciples. Then they died and they passed it on to disciples and then they died and they mm-hmm. passed it on to disciples. Well, what is the, what is the model that's been built in humanity for us in order to pass stuff on? It's our families. Like that's the way that stuff is going to be, to be passed on our legacies or our imprint in society will be carried on not through our followers on Instagram, but through our families. And that is, um, or the, the better way of saying it for some of us may be like those closest to us. Um, and that right there is a guiding principle uh, upon which our evaluation of alignment needs to be like needs to be built. Yeah, that idea of a lineage and what you just said was has been like in my head for the last couple minutes as all three of you guys have been talking because like we talk about the spheres of influence, we talk about the importance being coming from a good core, um, and that's what's going to get you to the other spheres of influence and. You know, I I think about what Jesus said when he said, uh, I do nothing apart from what I see my father doing. 
you know, the, the posture of Jesus, his whole time in ministry, and what we see in his example is that Jesus was not focused on leading. Jesus was focused on being led. Like before we can get to any of the outside things, we have to be able and postured to be led. Because if we're not postured to be led by God, then what on earth are we leading people to? Right? Like if we are these hugely like dynamic and charismatic and whatever leaders, but we're not postured to be led ourselves by God, then we have entirely missed the point. Like so often um, in our in our churches, in our ministries, in our nonprofits and whatever, we are so focused on leading and influencing and growing and everything else that we forget that we ourselves have to be able to be led. We forget that like Jesus was 30 years old before he started leading people, as far as we know, right? Jesus had 30 years of growing. When Mary couldn't find him, he was in the church. Like Jesus had 30 years of growing with God and then three years of ministry before he was crucified. And even in those three years of ministry, that 30 years of prep was not enough because he still disappeared. He still went away to be alone with God. He still said to the disciples, I do nothing apart from seeing my father do it, which means he was taking time to be alone and be led by God before he went out and did anything public and led people. The thing is, like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but he still wasn't even pointing people to him because what did he say immediately after I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one gets to the Father but through me. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus was directing people to believe in him, but ultimately to point them to God. He was always in a posture of being led. And so I feel like the question we have to ask ourselves in our alignment is do we even know how to be led? Are we even teachable? Because if we're not teachable and we're not willing to be led, well, then I would argue no matter what you think you might have around you, you're entirely ineffective. You've got to be able to be teachable and be corrected and be led by God. Yeah, Rachel, that's so good. I think what to wrap it up, I think what we have to be is teachable. If we want to lead ourselves like leaders or learners, the reality is like Jesus teaches us that true leadership is followership. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. So we must be followers as leaders and learners as leaders. That's it for Bless Up this week. Big ups to uh, the 21st Century Church, to Jonathan, and to the Cleveland Football Browns. <laughs> what? We'll, ca- we'll catch you in a couple weeks. Bless up. Bless up. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs>